0: It's now the job of the director to direct the library to support those board decisions. The board supervises the director, the director supervises everybody else.
1: I'm Julia Prince.
2: I'm Pam Fitzgerald and we're with the Ivy Group.
1: Today, we're talking about how to construct a strong board with Nancy Davis. She is the retired co-founder of the Ivy Group.
2: Hey, Nancy. So pleased you're with us. Nancy and I go quite a way back, and um, Nancy has so much experience with building boards with various libraries, and she, in fact, was a founder of a board as well. Are you not, uh, Nancy, where you are, the library foundation?
0: Yes. One of the original library champions here in my county, Delaware County, Pennsylvania.
2: Tell us a little bit about that board, too.
0: It goes back to the 1970s. We literally went and photographed the conditions in 28 different libraries here in the county trying to make the point with the elected officials, the county commissioners, that a lot more needed to be done. So the history of library advocacy is a long-standing one here in this county.
2: But the Library Foundation Board is relatively new, is it not?
0: Well, the Library Foundation Board sort of evolved from that original Friends of Libraries group. We started, unfortunately, just at the time that the economy was going south. So it was a very difficult time to recruit trustees and to even contemplate raising money. And um, in the last year or so, I'm the president of that library foundation now, and we are trying to rejuvenate it. We're beginning to get donations. So we're turning the corner.
1: So let's start by talking about the people who serve on library boards. So generally, what has been the makeup of a library board, and have you seen that changing over time?
0: First of all, I would just note that my experience recently with different boards suggests that it's getting much harder to recruit trustees. Volunteerism in general has declined. People are busier, and so it's become a lot more challenging. In the past, when they did a profile of who was serving as trustees, they found that it was primarily white women, generally over the age of 50, often college graduates, and usually not in the workforce. These demographics no longer match the demographics of the many communities that libraries serve. And there's a great push To diversify them. And so libraries now have to strategically develop their boards so that they're based on skill sets. We need people who know marketing. We need people with financial management experience. We need people who understand buildings and building maintenance, personnel issues. We also need to reflect the age and the ethnicity of the communities that the trustees serve. And so we encourage libraries to be engaged in an ongoing search for qualified candidates. You should always be on the hunt. Who are the leaders in the communities? Who are the people who influence public opinion? What qualities would you say should be avoided? You want to avoid people who have conflicts of interest. Sometimes unknowingly, boards recruit people with personal agendas. You don't want people who lack any connectivity to the communities. It's helpful if people understand how to get money, either from the public or private sectors. In the best circumstances, people are also positioned to give money personally. You want people who are visionary, who have a long-term perspective on what has
1: to happen. I would imagine that personality plays a lot into it as well. You're looking for people who are uh, collaborative, who can work together, who are friendly uh, are there certain personality traits that are a signal of this person's going to be a really effective board member or hmm, maybe this person's not the right member of our team?
0: Yeah, you don't want a one person show. You sometimes run into very big dominant personalities who sort of say, leave everything to me. They don't understand teamwork. They don't understand the importance of committees. They don't understand the importance of telling people what they're doing. They keep everything, everybody in the dark. And pretty soon what happens in those situations is people say, why am I bothering? Why am I doing this? Those dominant personalities who tend to be sort of egocentric, literally believe they can take care of everything. And pretty soon, everybody just backs away. I think another dangerous situation is when somebody really has a very special personal motivation for being on a board. You run into situations where People have a strong belief in what kinds of materials should be available. They want to exercise control over the books that are on the shelves, or the movies that are shown, or the programs that are offered. They're there because they have a personal um, crusade of some type, and pretty soon you get into all kinds of disputes and hassles about policies or procedures and it's it's a very destructive situation.
2: You know, it's easier to say, I guess, what what you don't want, but what makes an effective trustee, Nancy?
0: Well, I think you're looking for people who have a clear understanding of their role, who are really well connected in the community, who can reach out, who can establish partnerships. They applaud the success of the institution. They applaud the success of what the staff does. It's very important that... The individuals who serve on the board understand that the library now has to be very customer-centered. It used to be the library could write the rules and the people in the community would just fall in line and say, fine. But customer service expectations have really elevated understanding that we have to accommodate people's lifestyles, their preferences, their interests. So, I think that kind of orientation is really important. Healthy boards have functioning committees. We want people who are interested in staying current on trends. You also, I think, need people who are willing to talk about, in a passionate way, why libraries are still important. I can't tell you how many meetings I've had with elected officials when one of them turns to me and says, why do we have to give you all this money? And if it has a finance committee, those people will be involved. But it's up to the board to understand that budget and decide whether to approve it. And finally, strategic planning. When you talk to a lot of trustees about, well, now we have to do a strategic plan, there's groaning all around. But it is a trustee responsibility.
1: It sounds like both the library director and the trustees are charged with leading, that they would both have a a role in vision, decision-making. How do you draw the line between what the director should do and what the trustees have the final say in?
0: That's where people knock heads because the thing I that we've seen happen most often is that the board not only wants to make policy or wants to uh, supervise the director, but they want to make incursions further into operations, and. There are instances where trustees have tried to sort of personally supervise or direct people on the staff. They go in and see what toilet paper's being used in the restrooms, et cetera, et cetera. Seriously, Nancy, come on. That, that level of detail. Talk
1: about being in the weeds.
0: <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> I couldn't make that up. Trustees can sometimes way overstep their bounds. I really knew a situation where there were micromanagers on the boards and they undermined the director. That has a terrible effect. Um, the director's ability to manage day-to-day. It's a really dangerous and um, counterproductive situation.
1: When we bring the library, the board, and the staff together for a strategic planning, planning summit, I think we've often observed that the board members have never met the staff before. There's a lot of the board members sit over here and the staff sit over here with very little interaction between the two. And often the first time they're meeting is actually at the planning summit where they're being asked to weigh in on the future direction for the library. So is that typical?
0: You do want trustees to be well-educated and able to address staff members so how do you make that happen? I think all trustees should have an initial meeting with the director when they come on the board. They should have an orientation. They should get a tour of the library where department heads are introduced. And the other thing that can be very effective is to actually bring key personnel in and have them on the agenda so that they have a chance to have a presence with the board. Once there's a strategic plan, once policies have been approved, procedures, once a budget has been approved, it's now the job of the director to direct the library to support those board decisions. The board supervises the director the director supervises everybody else. It's also their job to communicate effectively with the board. The board should never, ever be surprised. They should never read about some major change or incident in the newspaper. They are the educational resource for the board. when the board is working on a certain project or initiative and they need background information to put things in context. It's the job of the director to be that resource.
1: Sorry, I'll start again. It sounds like we have a pretty big ask for board members. You have to bring these skills, possibly some funds of your own or a willingness to go get them. You need to be involved in the community. You need to be engaged with the library. There's a lot of things we're looking for in board members and a lot of things we expect them to do once they're on the board. What about the people that aren't, aren't cutting it? Maybe they're disruptive or they're just, they're just not doing what they should be doing on the board. Or
2: they're not showing up. Or they're not
1: showing up, plain and simple. How do you fire board members?
0: Well, one of the things that you have to look at is do you have term limits? A remarkable number of libraries don't, and that's a protection against having dead wood forever. Um, The other thing that we've done in some situations is at the beginning of each year, say to people, do you still feel the same level of commitment, the same interest and willingness to continue to serve on the board? And sometimes when somebody is embarrassed to say, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I don't like the direction the library's taken, whatever. This is a way for them to gracefully say, now that you're asking me, I think my preference would be to step aside.
2: That's very helpful and very helpful advice.
0: And, you know, trustees arrive on boards in a variety of ways. Sometimes they're appointed by elected officials. And in that case, you have to make sure that you have a discussion with the elected officials about what the expectations are and what types of skill sets you're looking for so that they consider that when they make these appointments Otherwise, you end up with people on your board that have no connection or, in some instances, interest in libraries. And sometimes the board asks for and solicits people to submit their names if they're interested. And you have to have a way of vetting and moving those people through the process. And you have to be ready if they are seated on the board, to hand them an orientation package in an organized way, everything they need to know about serving on this board. The other piece of advice I would offer is, at least once a year, the board should give itself what we call the total quality control test where you evaluate how well is the board performing. Sometimes you have people fill out a questionnaire, and then you talk about the results as a group. But you don't just keep going without stopping and saying, how well are we doing? So that's another good mechanism to use to make sure people are being thoughtful about what it means to be a library trustee, because it does count.
2: Nancy, this has been really, really helpful. And I know that the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, will certainly either affirm their choices or uh, see themselves in the mirror and perhaps may be motivated to make some changes. I really thank you for the time you've spent with us today.
0: Um, I enjoyed the interview and thanks for reaching out and giving me a chance to talk about something I love.
2: Nancy and I have worked with boards in 19 states and Canada boards come in all shapes and sizes. We've seen every permutation combination. The really interesting thing about boards is whether or not they coalesce, whether they bond. And I know you've had some experience in that realm.
1: Yeah. Throughout my three years, I think it was three years, as president of our local chapter of the American Marketing Association, we really prioritized board bonding. We recognized that one of the things that would really keep people engaged and active uh, and interested for interested in showing up to the meetings was whether they felt personally connected to their fellow board members. And again, we were a small, fairly casual board, but we we were small but mighty. And I think part of what made us mighty was that recognition that it's not just your board role that's important, but your relationships on the board. So we tried to do things like hosting board meetings at local restaurants or breweries and i know that libraries might have some restrictions for maybe they can't go down the street to the local pub to hold a a board (laughs) meeting we can't all have as much fun as marketers do (laughs) Uh, but those same that same idea of how are you facilitating relationships on the board how are you encouraging connections are you doing fun after meeting or before meeting uh, activities together
2: You know, it's an interesting point because it's about the goodwill, the momentum, Mm -hmm. the shared uh, sense of purpose, the shared commitment. Um, And you don't have to become best friends with your your fellow Mm -hmm. board members, but getting to understand them on a uh, a somewhat personal basis is uh, a way of also being able to anticipate uh, what they might, uh, their perspective on certain issues. So you can begin to mediate through things and never really be surprised because you've developed this out of board experience or or a relationship.
1: And our board for the American Marketing Association talked a lot about community, how we wanted to foster community throughout the central Virginia marketing community. And if we couldn't foster that same sense uh, amongst our own board, then what were we really doing? Right, exactly.
2: I think that's true with library boards. I mean, Mm -hmm. if library boards aren't necessarily uh, both representative of their constituents, but also taking out that spirit into the community of the library, then they're not really as effective as they could be. This was really interesting. I know Nancy's had a lot of experience all the way from, let's say, New Hampshire to Texas. From sea to shining sea. From sea to shining sea. So uh, I really appreciated uh, you spending some time with us, Nancy.
1: Thank you to Nancy. The Advancing America's Libraries podcast is produced by the Ivy Group, a full-service strategic planning and marketing firm based in Charlottesville, Virginia. Connect with us on Twitter, at Ivy Group, to follow our adventures and share your own library experiences.